Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Good afternoon and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today we're, we're going to take a look at the question of man knowing the day and hour. And actually, we're going to find out that the Bible is now teaching that man, mankind, does presently know the day and hour. And the study today is going to show how that's so. That man knows the day and hour through the experiencing of it. And since God has brought judgment day upon all the unsafe people of the earth, they therefore now know the day and hour through the experience of God's wrath. Even though uh, in their understanding, they may know nothing about it. They may lack intellectual understanding, but they know it through the experience of it. And and so uh, it's, uh, in a way, sadly ironic that, that people continue to say and, and refer to this verse uh, when, whenever they hear about Judgment Day, May 21, 2011, or a likely end of Judgment Day on October 7th, 2015, they quickly quote the, the Bible verse that says, No man knows the day or hour. And and yet, at this time, they are actually in the process of knowing it or experiencing it. Now, let's, let's start by going to those verses that say this. So I'm going to read in a few places because we, we find that statement of that day and hour, knoweth no man, in a few places in the Bible. Let's start in Matthew 24. And verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And also, in verse 42, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. And in uh, Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 10. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. And in Mark 13, beginning in verse 32, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. And the word time there is, is the same word hour. For the Son of Man is as a man, taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, 
For ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. These are the verses that the the uh, pastors and priests and ministers refer to again and again whenever May 21, 2011 uh, was brought up and, and the news media would report on the phenomenon of the May 21, 2011 proclamation, the billboards and the people carrying the signs and, and so forth, and then go to the church and without fail, uh, uh, pretty much, I can't remember an instance where they went to a church authority that that individual would not say nothing to worry about. No man knows the day or hour of Christ's return. Nobody knows the time of the end of the world is how they would interpret those scriptures. You cannot know the timing of the end of the world. And 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 so as a result of that, this uh, Bible verse, no man knows the day or hour, is out there in the world and the unsaved inhabitants of the world who who really have not much relationship with church also are familiar with that verse because of the news reporting on it. And, and, and yet, even though the church referred to these scriptures time after time, they, they never bothered to check the whole Bible for more information. They, they fell into the error of thinking you can go to, um, a single verse or a couple of verses that say the same thing, and you can uh, thereby answer the question of uh, can God's people know or can anyone know regarding the end of the world. And that's a very superficial, it's a very casual way, uh, uh, to put it nicely, of in Bible interpretation when the truth is it's a very lazy way. It it only skims the surface of the Bible to read a couple verses, to take it at apparent face value, or or to take it um, uh, literally, to understand it the way you want to understand it, and not to dig further into the words themselves, and further into the Bible, and not to look at everything that the Bible has to say on the subject. And, of course, they did not do that, because they did not want to do that. They wanted to be able to dismiss it, and ignore it, and write it off, as the saying goes. And and so, God provided Scripture that permitted them the quick escape, the the ability to uh, turn off their ears and to turn away their attention from the information coming forth from the Bible. God's the one who wrote those verses and placed them in the Bible and gave so many 
what they think is justification for not taking the warning seriously concerning the approach of Judgment Day on May 21, 2011, or information regarding the end of the world. And yet, if they had followed the the Bible's methodology, God's methodology for coming to truth, you have to look at a conclusion, and then, after comparing Scripture with Scripture, which leads you to other parts of the Bible, you must make sure your conclusion harmonizes with everything else the Bible says about the matter. Now, there is a problem, because does the idea that that nobody can know anything about the timing of the return of Christ and the end of the world harmonize with everything else the Bible says? And the answer is absolutely not. It does not even harmonize with Matthew 24, wherein the disciples are asking the question of Jesus, what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus does not say to them, oh, oh, don't ask such a thing, you can never know. But after they ask that question, Matthew 24 is a chapter which answers it as Christ gives indicators of his coming and information about the end of the world. And the idea we can know nothing does not harmonize with these scriptures. In Genesis chapter 18, as God is um, about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, it says in verse 16, And the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And Jehovah said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? And and so he proceeded to inform Abraham of his intent to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and, and the cities of the plain. And that's why Abraham then goes on to make intercession for the righteous within Sodom. Would you destroy if 50 righteous and 40 righteous? Because he's concerned about Lot. Abraham had foreknowledge of Sodom's destruction. In Genesis chapter 19, in verse 12, it says, And the men said unto Lot, uh, uh, God has gone to Sodom in the form of two angels or messengers, and uh, he he is uh Warn Lot, here in verse 12, And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides, son-in-law, and thy sons and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city? Bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of Jehovah, and Jehovah has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters and said, Up, get you out of this place, for Jehovah will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And they did not listen. Lot and his wife and his two daughters, uh, or two of his daughters, fled the city by the mercy and grace of God in giving them advance information concerning 
Sodom's destruction. And, and that we, we find in the Bible is a biblical principle that before God brings about a major judgment on a city or on a nation or on the world, he first warns his people. We read in um, Proverbs chapter 28, it says in verse 5, Proverbs 28, 5, Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek Jehovah understand all things. We read in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, in verse 5, uh, it says, Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing, and a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. And we find in Daniel chapter 12, in verse 4, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. And further down, beginning in verse 9, And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And here God uh, is uh, indicating that he has given Daniel much information regarding the end of time that was to be sealed up until the time of the end. And once the time of the end is reached, then uh, unseal it. And and uh, it, it is revealed. And then God speaks of knowledge increasing in verse 4. And in verse 9, he says, The wise will understand, uh, as uh, Proverbs 28.5 says, and Ecclesiastes 8.5 says, But none of the wicked will understand. And that is the biblical principle that is supported by... Um, this statement in Amos chapter 3 in verse 7 where it says surely the Lord Jehovah will do nothing but he revealeth his secret unto his servants the prophets and then we, we see well yes he, he did reveal it to Abraham shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do He did reveal it to Lot. And also, remember the prophet Jonah. Jonah went into Nineveh. And God had him proclaim this message to the Ninevites. In Jonah chapter 3, beginning um, in verse 2, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh, according to the word of Jehovah. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The the preaching that God bid Jonah to preach was a, a 
proclamation of a timeline, uh, and at the end of the 40 days would be destruction. It, and anyone hearing him could have counted the days and circled the date on their calendar. That's the day God is warning us of. And, and so, uh, in, in all these things, and in many more, uh, in, in the Bible, God indicates this biblical principle that before he destroys, he forewarns his people, who in turn are as watchmen as the Bible says, and they blow the trumpet and warn the people of the approaching sword of God's wrath. Well, now, uh, the, uh, those in the churches should have known better, and they should have checked out these scriptures and many more. They should have, in fact, checked out the context, the, the immediate context, in which Christ spoke in Matthew 24, in verse 36. Let me read that again. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And, okay, do you just read that? Or, I mean, we can't be so lazy that we do not go on to the next verse. And the next verse, in verse 37 says, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So Christ makes the statement, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only, and then says, it will be like, what I'm saying, it will be like the days of Noah, the coming of the Son of Man, will be like the the time before the flood. It, it is a historical example of what I am telling you. Well, or very well. Then let's go back to uh, the book of Genesis. And God tells us about the flood. Anybody could read it. Jesus said that his coming would be like the flood, he gave, actually gave two historical examples of uh, what the coming of the Lord would be likened to. One uh, in, um, in Luke and other places is uh, he likens it to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, which we saw God first forewarned Abraham, and then he forewarned Lot. And he likens it to the time of the flood or the days of Noah. And in Genesis chapter 7, we read in verse 1, And Jehovah said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. And then in yet in verse 4, For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And then um, in in verse 10, uh, which tells us about the seven days. In Genesis 7, verse 10, And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. 
Well, there we have it. God is speaking to Noah, and God says to Noah, Yet seven days and I'll bring the flood. I'm going to destroy the world. And seven days later, the flood comes. And that means Noah had advanced information. He was forewarned by God. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 46, verse 10, that Jehovah declareth the end from the beginning. And here is a good example of that, where he has declared the end. He knows uh, all things that will ever happen throughout the whole history of the world and into eternity future. He is God. And, and since he knows this information, it's nothing for him to tell Noah about what will happen a week from that date on the 17th day of the second month. And it's nothing for God to describe what will happen 7,000 years into the future and to write it, to hide it in the account in the form of seven days. As we know, the Bible likens a day to a thousand years in Second Peter 3. And, and so God, being infinitely wise and all-knowing, he manages to tell Noah historically there's seven more days and the flood will destroy this first earth and at the very same time hide in that message of yet seven days a period of 7,000 years before the second world, the world that we live in, is destroyed spiritually as God shuts the door of heaven on May 21, 2011, which had the underlying Hebrew calendar date of the 17th day of the second month, which was the precise date given seven days later when God shut the door of the ark and brought the flood. Incredible what infinite, glorious knowledge God possesses to uh, be able to declare the end from the beginning, as Genesis is a book of beginnings, and 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 to just lay it all out in a couple of sing, simple statements, and and there God has foretold, He has declared the end of the world when it would take place seven thousand years from 4990 BC when the flood occurred is 2011, and and then uh, he pinpointed the very day through the 23-year Great Tribulation period that just happened after an exact 23 years and an exact 8,400 days to fall on May 21, 2011, and, and that day just happened to uh, have as the underlying Hebrew calendar date the 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 very day that the door of the ark was shut and the flood began in absolutely um mind-boggling as the expression goes the the uh, brilliant mind of god uh, to uh, have all these things in in such harmony and and such um unity of purpose as he has written the bible but but anyway, 
I just wanted to mention these things so that we could see that that verse, no man knows the day or hour, is not um, giving us all the information. There, there's a whole lot of other information the Bible has to say. And some people join together with no man knows the day or hour, with Christ is coming as a thief in the night. And they think that proves that nobody will know anything because, well, thief doesn't tell you when he's coming, does he? They say, and yet uh, it, it can be shown from the Bible, and I'll, I'll, I'll do that right now, that the very scripture that they think proves we cannot know actually proves we will know. And it follows along the same biblical principle that God forewarns his people. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, it says in verse 2, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Well, that shows that they're correct. See, nobody knew. It was, they, they thought they were safe and then suddenly they're destroyed. Well, again, we, we have to read the whole context. Let's read the next verse. In First Thessalonians 5, 4. But ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. And, and you see how beautifully that fits with God warning Abraham, God warning Lot, God warning Noah before the flood, with the statement that a wise man discerneth time and judgment, with the statement that God opens the scriptures at the time of the end, increasing knowledge. The wise will understand, but none of the wicked will understand. And therefore, they're caught as a thief in the night by Christ. But not the brethren, not the wise, the true believers. They, they're not caught because they understand. And, and so Christ does not come. The Bible says, Christ does not come as a thief for you, brethren, for the true child of God. That, that, that is not the case. But, the true child of God will uh, be forewarned. For the Lord Jehovah does nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. And and God has indeed done that very thing. And opening up um, wonderful truths from his word as we reach the time of the end and the people of God have been drawn to them, had their uh, uh, their understanding enlightened by God's word to reveal the biblical calendar of history and God's program of times and seasons. It's remarkable how we can lay out the the Bible's uh, history and and pinpoint key historical events of of occurrences in the scriptures and lay out the beginning of the church age, the end of the church age, the beginning of the Great Tribulation, the end of the Great Tribulation, 
the beginning of Judgment Day and the very likely end of Judgment Day on October 7th, 2015. And it, it is just all remarkable how God has revealed so much information to his people at this time. Well, um, all right, but what about that verse? Uh, of that day and hour knoweth no man. Well, you know, this verse has been a troublesome verse for the true believers for quite a while. Quite a while. I remember back before 1994, in in 1992 and 93, when Mr. Camping came out with his book, 1994, this was the topic of discussion even then. And, and so that's over 20 years ago, and it's continued uh, all throughout this uh, period of time, basically throughout the Great Tribulation into our time. It, it has been, in a way, sort of like a thorn in the believer's side because we want to harmonize everything. Now, we've been able to see all that other information and realize as we see the the beauty of the biblical calendar and how the dates locked in of May 21, 2011 and, and all the scriptures that indicate God's people will know, oh, of course, God will reveal these things to his children. It, it all makes perfect sense. And yet there's that verse and, and it's so easy for uh, the unsaved to grab a hold of and throw out there. What's the answer to it? Well, we've struggled with it. We, For a time, we thought we had the answer. Actually, going back uh, several years, Mr. Camping w- taught then that it involved the, the experience of Judgment Day. Because at the time Christ was speaking, man was not yet judged. Uh, the, the fallen angels, uh, Satan and the demons had access to heaven up until the cross. And, and so that's why it says the angels of heaven. And they were not yet judged. Neither the Son, referring to Christ, he had not yet gone to the cross. And, and so, uh, there was the answer. It meant to experience the the day and hour was a reference to God's judgment. So man had not yet experienced the judgment of God. But then we learn, and and this was part of the biblical information God opened up during the Great Tribulation, that Christ died from the, the point of the foundation of the world. And he was declared to be the son then. But it says that uh, in Mark thirteen thirty two, neither the son of that day and hour knoweth no man, neither the son. And, and if it meant experience God's wrath, well, the son did already experience the wrath of God at the foundation of the world. And that seemed to remove that possibility of experience being the answer. Yet, 
when when we go to the Bible and when we check out what it what God means by no, we find that it does point to experience. Now we'll come back, Lord willing, to uh, to answer how the Son can refer to Christ, even though He did experience God's wrath at the foundation of the world. Yet there's a solution for that. But first, let's. Let's go um, to the Old Testament and we'll see how God speaks of knowing him uh, in connection with his wrath. Let's let's first go to Exodus chapter 7, Exodus 7, and beginning in verse 5. And the Egyptians shall know that I am Jehovah. When I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Now, of course, that was a judgment upon Egypt because God had to plague them with plague after plague before uh, they would release Israel. And, and, and so God says, that's when the Egyptians shall know he is Jehovah. In verse 17 of Exodus 7, thus saith Jehovah, in this thou shalt know that I am Jehovah. Behold, I will smite with the rod that is in mine hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. That was one of the plagues, one of the judgments on Egypt. And in this they shall know I am Jehovah. In Exodus 14, it says in verse 4, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he shall follow after them, and it will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am Jehovah. And they did so. And that's speaking of God getting honor upon them in the Red Sea. In verse 18, And the Egyptians shall know that I am Jehovah, when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. That is, once God destroys them in the sea, once he causes the waters of the Red Sea to collapse upon them, and they are drowned in the midst of the sea, then they shall know that he is Jehovah. And and that is, um, once they experience the wrath of God, the the furious anger of God which brings about their death, they shall know that he is Jehovah. And let's go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a book that has this statement within it uh, a, a few dozen times. And anyone can go to Strong's Concordance and look it up. Uh, there, there are many more of these kinds of declarations throughout the book of Ezekiel. But in Ezekiel chapter 6, Beginning in verse 12, it says there, He that is far off shall die of the pestilence, and he that is near shall fall by the sword. And he that remaineth and is besieged shall die by the famine. Thus will I accomplish my fury upon them. Then shall ye know that I am Jehovah, when their slain men shall be among their idols round about their altars, upon every high hill in all the tops of the mountains, and under every green tree, and under every thick oak, 
the place where they did offer sweet savor to all their idols. So will I stretch out my hand upon them, and make the land desolate, yea, more desolate than the wilderness toward Dibleth, in all their habitations, and they shall know that I am Jehovah. Again, very clearly, very definitely, language of God's wrath being poured out. And through that, they shall know I am Jehovah, God says in Ezekiel chapter 7. It says in verse 4, And mine eye shall not spare thee, neither will I have pity. But I will recompense thy ways upon thee, and thine abominations shall be in the midst of thee, and ye shall know that I am Jehovah. And again in verse 9, And mine eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity. I will recompense thee according to thy ways, and thine abominations that are in the midst of thee. And ye shall know that I am Jehovah that smiteth. And, and again, we could go on for quite some time in Ezekiel reading these very similar kinds of verses. God's wrath is expressed and the statement is made and ye shall know I am Jehovah. Now remember the verse we're, we're thinking of or looking at of that day and hour and and uh, even those in the churches recognize the day and hour are uh, a figure of speech. Uh, they represent God's wrath in the day of judgment. The world understands that, even if they don't uh, think that through. But of that day and hour is representative of the wrath of God. Of that day and hour knoweth. That is, of the wrath of God knoweth no man. And here we're seeing in the Old Testament, again, dozens of scriptures where God speaks of the pouring out of his wrath and then makes the concluding statement, and ye shall know, or the Egyptians shall know, I am Jehovah. That is, they will know the wrath of God through the experience of it or through God carrying it out upon them. And as a result, they will know He is God. He is Jehovah, the, the one and only God of mankind through their destruction. They will have this knowledge in the sense of experiencing it, even though they may not know it in their heads intellectually, they may lack any idea of it actually, but through the uh, fact that they have been destroyed, it has been demonstrated to them. It has been shown to them that God is God. I am Jehovah. And let's look at a a verse that uh, God gives us that defines all these other scriptures, all these other statements where he um, he will bring a judgment, could be turning the water to blood, drowning the Egyptians in the sea, 
or or whatever, God will bring a judgment and then through the judgment make that declaration, I am Jehovah. And in Psalm chapter 9, we read in, in verse 16, this verse that helps us solve the mystery of no man knows, where we can now answer that verse easily, without any problem whatsoever. That we, we now have the Bible's definition for what it is to know God in judgment. In Psalm 9, verse 16, it says in, in this verse, and I would really um, recommend you highlight this verse, mark it down, because whenever someone says, no man knows, you can say what that means is to experience God's wrath. And and when Christ said it, no man had experienced the official final judgment of mankind. And and look, here's a verse in Psalm 9, verse 16, that explains, Jehovah is known by the judgment which he executeth. Jehovah is known by the judgment which he executeth. And and therefore, if God has not yet executed the judgment, as is the case in Matthew 24, 36, or in Mark 13, 32, at the time Jesus was making that statement, mankind, of course, was not before uh, being judged by by God's wrath in the day of judgment, that would not be for almost 2,000 years later. The angels of heaven, that uh, Satan and his angels that had access to heaven, as we read in the book of Job, they, they showed up um, uh, with uh, other sons of God and in order to accuse the brethren. Well, Jesus had not yet gone to the cross, and it was at that point Satan would be bound and the angels, the, the fallen angels cast out, Satan cast out of heaven as Revelation 12 tells us. And of course, of the demons, the fallen angels along with him. And, and also the Lord Jesus Christ had not yet gone to the cross. He had not yet experienced the wrath of God at the cross. Oh, but see, that's your problem. Somebody familiar with the the doctrine that we have learned that Christ was slain from the foundation of the world might say, there's the problem with your understanding that it means experience. Because Jesus did already experience it, the, the wrath of God, the judgment of God was carried out upon him when he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And, and therefore, you, you cannot carry it over because what is said of man and the angels is said of Jesus too. And unless the son doesn't mean Jesus, and, and by the way, that's why for a time we were thinking it might be Satan, the son of perdition. But forget that. That's, that's not in view at all. The Son does mean Jesus. Only, it's not the Son of God. And, and when Christ died, 
from the foundation of the world, God gave him a new name. In Romans chapter 1, it says in verse 3 and 4, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Jesus was declared to be the Son of God by or through the resurrection of the dead. He died and rose and was the firstborn from the dead, and God then uh, said, This is my Son. He was the Son of God. And yes, as the Son of God, he had experienced the wrath of God. And, and, and therefore, he knew, or it was known to him, God's wrath. But in Mark 13, 32, where it says, Of that day and hour knoweth no man, not the angels of heaven, neither the Son, it's not making reference to the Son of God, that Jesus' name that uh, shows that he had already died and experienced God's wrath, but it's making reference to the Son of Man because Christ entered into the world born of the Virgin Mary in, in order to um, take upon himself a human nature. And he became a man walking amongst men in the world. And as a man... Uh, living the life of a man. He was fully man, yet fully God. He had to go to the cross in order to demonstrate the things that he had done from the foundation of the world. And, And therefore, as the Son of Man, he had not yet uh, experienced the wrath of God at the cross, or, or really beginning in the Garden of Gethsemane on Thursday evening for that three days and three nights period. And, and therefore he did not know as the Son of Man the, the wrath of God. And the Bible does tell us in, in Hebrews that he learned obedience by the things which he suffered through the experience of suffering the second time in that tableau to demonstrate uh, the the atoning work he performed at the foundation of the world. He learned obedience, or he came to know the wrath of God, and, and that's what Mark 13.32 is speaking of. So we now understand and have answer for each of those that are mentioned, mankind, the fallen angels, and Christ himself. Why it is that that it's said that they did not know? Because they had not yet experienced God's wrath. And, well, now we we have no problem in understanding these verses in Matthew 24, Mark chapter 13, that that make reference to man not uh, knowing the the day or hour. Now, um, let's just look at one other scripture, and this is in Revelation chapter 2. And through this, 
we'll see that when God says that man does not know the day and hour, uh, that that once God does carry out a judgment, if it's a spiritual judgment, that even as he carries it out, that that those that are the objects of his wrath are said to know because they have experienced the judgment, uh, yet that's still true even if they do not have knowledge of the judgment because it was a spiritual judgment that God uh, worked upon them. I know that may sound a little complicated, but it's not. And let's see, in Revelation chapter 2, it says, um, let's just start it here in verse 18, Revelation 2, 18. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write. So this is part of one of the seven addresses to the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. And we also know that after each address to each church, uh, there was a concluding statement. And in this case, it's found in Revelation 2, verse 29. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So what was said to Thyatira was actually a, a statement that had application to all churches, to the whole corporate body of churches throughout the church age. And, and then God says to them, beginning in verse 20, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach, and to seduce my servants to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. And again, God speaking to the whole corporate church, they have sinned, because they've suffered Jezebel to uh, seduce God's servants to commit fornication. And, and this really is just pointing to uh, other kinds of doctrine and gospels that have crept into the churches and perverted the true gospel. And, and so spiritual fornication has been committed. And God gave space to repent. And the space was the entire period of the church age. 1,955 years is a lot of space for uh, the churches to turn from their sins, and, and yet they did not. So here's what God says in verse 22. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. So, following the space of the church age in which God allotted for repentance and there was no repentance, then he came to visit in judgment on May 21, 1988. He ended the church age and judgment began at the house of God. The great tribulation was underway. And and, and God cast the whole church all the churches that this was addressed to because they failed to repent into great tribulation. And then, now notice in verse 23, and this statement goes along with those many statements in the Old Testament that uh, we read a few of earlier. 
and I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am Jehovah. No, it, it doesn't say Jehovah, but it, it says the equivalent. I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts. And of course, only Jehovah can search the reins and hearts, the inner being of a person, of, of men. And, and so it is the equivalent statement that we were reading in Exodus and reading in Ezekiel. God pronounces the judgment and here it is, I will kill her children with death and all the churches because it's a judgment upon all the churches and, and, uh, notice the word all. It's not the majority of churches, as some like to think, it's not 99.9%. It's all the churches shall know I am Jehovah, the one that searches the hearts and reigns. They will know God. They'll know Jehovah. Jehovah is known by the judgment which he executeth. According to Psalm 9, verse 16, and all the churches shall know Jehovah God through the judgment that he executed upon them in ending the church age and having his Holy Spirit come out of the midst and um, the, the judgment of in, installing Satan as, as the ruler as he took his seat as the man of sin and, and ruled over all the church world, through that judgment, all the churches will know that God is God. And and they will know him through that judgment which he executed or carried out upon them. Through, to put it another way, through the 23-year judgment upon the churches and congregations during the Great Tribulation, God made himself known to the churches of the world. And it can be said, they know his Jehovah. And even though, if you ask them, did God bring judgment upon you? Has the Holy Spirit left? Is the church age over? No, no, no. That That's foolishness and and God will never uh, abandon his church. Don't you know the Bible says the gates of hell will never prevail against Christ's church? Of course, again, they superficially quote that verse and fail to dig deeper into what God and the Bible means by church, that it actually is his eternal church comprised of only the elect. But, But again, they know he is Jehovah, they know he is God, through the judgment, even though they lack intellectual understanding or they fail to recognize it, it, that doesn't mean anything as far as God is concerned. They know through the judgment which he executed, he is Jehovah. Now, likewise, likewise, here we are, For some time now, we're approaching four years, judgment began on the world on May 21, 2011. And overwhelmingly, 
the the people of the world are ignorant of it. They don't have um, intellectual understanding of the judgment for the most part, and they could care less. They would dismiss it. They would they would not uh, uh, recognize it or agree with it in any way. But that doesn't matter because God is known through the judgment which he carries out. And he is presently carrying out his judgment, a spiritual judgment, upon all the unsaved inhabitants of the earth. When he shut the door of heaven, he has made himself known as Jehovah to the people of the world. And and that's why uh, I mentioned at the very beginning that uh, it's sadly ironic that the, the unsaved people in the church or the unsaved people in the world that refer to no man knows a day or hour are actually at the very same time knowing the day and hour. That is that man now knows the day and hour. All unsaved people now know the day and hour through the experience of it. Because they're, they're going through it, they are experiencing it, they, they know the Jehovah's wrath. And as he is um, continuing to pour it out upon all of the unsaved people of the earth. And so we we are living at that time where it can be said that man presently knows the day and hour. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.